Welcome to Home Group Heads Up, a podcast by Calvary Bible Church, preparing home group leaders for the weekend ahead. This is your host, Matthew Mashad, with Perry Marshall in the room. How you doing, Perry? Doing well, Matthew. Good to be here. Good to have you. So what do we got coming up this week that home group leaders need to be aware of? Yeah, we got several things that are on the horizon. Um, most pressing, most immediate would be the fact that this is the first Sunday of November. Hard to believe we're already at that point, but... You know what that means. Uh, yeah, do I do. You know, it's, uh, it's the first Sunday of November, which <laughs> <laughs> means we're going to do communion. It's communion Sunday. So if, if that's a surprise to you, um, here's a couple options that you have. Um, one would be to uh, prepare elements for your group. And you can just, you know, get some grape juice and some crackers together or, or however you want to handle that piece. Or you can have um, people in your group bring their own elements. And I'm assuming that, uh, you know, this isn't the first time we've done it. So you probably already have a plan in place for that or can um, put your plan in action quickly if you weren't thinking about it yet for this Sunday. But um, Communion Sunday is coming up this week. And um, it's a great opportunity for us to just celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Yeah. Other thing we have coming down the line for you is some service project opportunities. Uh, each campus will be somewhat different. There might be some that are across all campuses, like Operation Christmas Child. The idea with these, though, is we just want to give you opportunities to serve as a, a community together. And these opportunities, some will be more hands-on in person, some will be more hands-off, where you can do it on your own, like Operation Christmas Child. So look for those. Each The, the details will be coming from Perry, Jay, and I to you soon. And as well, last thing, uh Perry, do you want to talk about Tom's update that just came out on Wednesday? Sure. Uh, the first thing to say about it is if you haven't seen Pastor Tom's update, please go and look for it in your inbox and um, just watch that. Take a few minutes to hear what Tom has to say. Tom is devoting this week's message to um, mostly talk about the Colorado order that came out last Friday, I believe, um, that limited in-person gatherings to a total of 10 people and no more than two families. And so um, that the timing of it was such that it got a lot of us kind of excited and um, we weren't sure what that meant for home groups. But the bottom line is um, the church, churches in general, have a special ex exemption from that order. And so for home groups at Calvary, what that means is that we get to continue to operate together, worship together, just as we have all along and, uh, you know, continue to, to practice good, um, social distancing and mask use. And I know groups are handling that, um, on their own. And we just encourage you to continue to be mindful of, of um, the situation that we're in and to have some practices in place to help minimize the risk in your group. But in terms of having to follow the stipulation, um, we have a special exemption from that that allows us to continue to operate as we always have. Yeah. That's kind of all the updates we have coming for you. I uh, would love to transition now to talk about the upcoming sermon, give you, give you a heads up of what to expect, what can you help prepare for this weekend's discussions. This week we're in Acts 19 when Paul is in Ephesus. 
Uh, we're going to focus on kind of verses 18 through the end of the chapter, so 41, and what is happening there. Perry, can you t- talk us through what's happening in, in this episode? Yeah, you bet. So Ephesus is a city like a lot of these other cities, um, like Athens and Thessalonica and um, the other places that Paul has visited where there is the standard Greco-Roman influence on those cities. Why? Because they are Greco-Roman cities. And uh, as a part of that, they have a, a, a mix in their culture, in their society, their belief system of um, a lot of different gods. Um, it's a, a pagan environment. And so in Ephesus, it stands out, though, even from among those other cities and the fact that it was the home base for one of the Roman goddesses named Artemis. And so there is this massive temple inside of the city, and Ephesus was famous in its day for this temple. Today, you can actually visit and see where Ephesus used to be, and um, you can see the the ruins of this temple. It was a magnificent thing, and Pastor Thomas brings this up in the sermon, but one of the wonders of the ancient world, and um, it was probably um, many times, or several times at least, the size of um, some of the other major structures like the Parthenon in Athens, but um, this temple would have been larger than a football field. So it was a pretty impressive structure for its day, all devoted yeah. to Artemis. And um, so Paul is in that environment ministering for a couple of years, actually over two years. And so when we pick up the passage this week, we're going to be picking it up kind of in the middle of a paragraph. But what's going on in that paragraph is that Christians in the city who have converted from their pagan background um, to Christ now are convicted by the fact that um, some of their practices and their ways of life in the past were not consistent with following Christ. And so they are actually burning um, books that they had. And these are books that likely contained magical phrases and expressions and, and instructions and so this city that um, had all of these pagan kinds of magical practices and understandings is starting to turn in terms of its allegiance, and that is causing a disturbance in the city. In fact, we see that. That's a key, a key phrase um, that comes up in this, in this passage this week, talking about no little disturbance concerning the way, concerning these Christians in verse 23 of that chapter. And so what it follows from there is this scene of a mob forming and they're shouting this phrase, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. And um, along the way, there's just this confrontation because of the fact that the gospel is disrupting this, the way of life in this city. Yeah. That, and there's some more key players in there. You'll hear about Demetrius and, and his, uh, he's kind of the one that incites the mob and and he has his reasons for it. Some of them are personal and then he bleeds into more, uh, almost uh, you can think of them as um, patriotic of, of, of in the sense of for Ephesus and for Artemis and religious he has a religious zeal there but it masks a greater thing which thomas points out which is probably demetrius's idolatry towards his position as the the silversmith that it makes the idols of artemis and and now that's being threatened 
in in as Paul has been preaching and and many people are coming to Christ and are turning and are yeah turning to him and away from their current way of life and uh yeah can you speak to that a little bit more Perry what kind of detail Demetrius's yeah, absolutely. So, uh, De- yeah, Demetrius is a silversmith. So he's his whole business in life is to make these silver shrines of Artemis, which were probably these little mini figurines of the temple to Artemis in the city. And people would buy these from him and from others in the city um, that are made out of silver, or maybe in some other cases, another kind, of, another form of metal. But Demetrius would make his living off of these things. And so when Paul comes in and is being accused here, um, you see this in verse 27, or excuse me, not in verse 27, but in verse 26, right before that, um, part of Paul's message that he's being uh, accused of preaching is that um, the gods made with hands are not gods. And so that's that's one of the things that they're taking away from Paul's message, which of course is true, but it's disrupting their whole business, their livelihood, their security, their well-being, and not only just of Demetrius and his, uh, the people who depend on him, like his family, but even the whole fabric of the city and its own commerce, because Ephesus is a place where people come to, to worship Artemis. And so the gospel is is disrupting all of that and it's causing an uproar that Demetrius starts just like you said Matthew that Demetrius is the one who stirs up this mob against Paul but really at the essence of it all it's good old-fashioned idolatry idolatry is the, is at the heart of what's going on and this isn't new to us this week we've talked about this for weeks now um, especially a couple weeks ago when Paul was in Athens but um, Matthew, how would you explain, just in layman's terms, what would you think of when you, if somebody asked you, hey, what's an idol? What does that mean? Yeah, I, idols, in layman's terms, I think, I'm, I don't think I'm very wise. I'm going to steal from a wiser person. Uh, Tim Keller says that there's something good or bad that has been made the ultimate thing. I think that's a pretty good way to describe what it, uh, what an idol is. It's something that has become the most important thing in my life. This is the ultimate, whether it's good, whether it's bad, this is the ultimate, which mm-hmm. is idolatry because that spot should be reserved for the Lord. And, and that's what the gospel is, is Jesus is the ultimate thing, which is what is causing this uh, change of life in the Ephesians is they're turning to Jesus as this ultimate thing and doing away with Artemis or doing away with their own different idols, which is causing that change, that, right. that change in the status quo. Right. So yeah, one of the quotes from Keller that we quoted him on a couple of weeks ago is um, a definition of an idol is quote, anything more fundamental than God to your happiness, meaning in life, or identity. So idols are not bad things necessarily. Um, they're really good things turned into, just like you said, Matthew, ultimate things. Thomas brings that up in the sermon. Um, he has another um, way to also describe an idol as um, what things overpromise in your life but are destined to underdeliver. So those things that overpromise but are destined to underdeliver. Some things um, that you'll see as possible categories to think of with the idea of 
overpromising could be with respect to hope, to significance or status, your identity in life, your comfort life, comfort in life. Um, each of these are possibilities. And question eight of the discussion questions this week is going to really zoom in on that particular thing, which is the centerpiece of the sermon. So um, it's good for you to consider using that in your discussion together. But there are a couple of other application questions too that you could also pick from. Uh, but this week is really going to emphasis Uh, put the emphasis again on this whole concept of idolatry and then challenge us to ask the question, what are the idols of our day? And what are the idols even more uncomfortably of our own lives as individuals? What what are those things that have overpromised in our own life, but maybe we're still holding out hope that they're going to deliver um, apart from God, apart from Christ? What what are the good things that maybe we've turned into ultimate things? And Thomas is going to bring this up in the sermon, but it seems like the closer we get to the true idols in our lives, the more defensive we get, the more our guard goes up. And so uh, this could be a discussion that that could become very personal for us and something that we could notice that we even have an emotional response to. Um, that That may not happen in your group, but... It's just a point um, to make on the front side of this to understand that idols are things that we normally don't see as idols, and we we don't call them out um, very easily because they are um, they are the kind of thing that self deceives us, and so that we think that we can we can live our life trusting Christ completely. but we don't really see it for what it truly is because in, in fact, we're really hoping that our income stays at the same way because that our income is really the source of our happiness or the source of our significance in life. And, you know, you could, you could play that out in a thousand different um, possibilities, but just uh, something to think about for this week that that's, that's really where the conversation is designed to go to that discussion of what are the idols of our day and what are the idols even more specifically of our own lives. Yeah, Thomas does a good job of of doing that in the sermon of bringing idols into today's thinking. A lot of times when when I at least for when I hear idol, I think, "Oh, that's the old graven images, that's the the silver or the gold statues or whatever." Well, I don't have that in my life. Thomas does a good job of how to how do we bring that into today's world as well as uh kind of thinking through some some ways that our lives should be affected if God is truly the ultimate thing or if something else has become that ultimate thing in our lives. This is a discussion that will hopefully be fruitful for your group. We're kind of at that point where a lot of groups are starting to gel well. And if that's your experience, that's awesome. If that hasn't been your experience, maybe this is the week that starts to happen. In your discussions, it might help if your group has had struggles with being personal, if you would go first in some of these questions, some of these questions are a little bit more personally uh, bent. They're, they're wanting more personal answers. If you go first, that allows other people to have the gift of going second in that. And so I, we would encourage you if, if that hasn't been your group yet where you haven't been gelling or been having great discussion and it's been struggling to go personal, maybe try that. That might be a good step. We'll be, uh, we'll be praying for you. 
or I should say, Perry, anything else you want to add? Well, I think now could be a great time to actually pray for them. Why don't we take a minute and just oh, do that? Be. Right before we close out, let me say a quick prayer for you all. And we're just, uh, we want you to know that we are continuously grateful for you and the role that you play every week. And um, we have seen, we've heard back from some groups about just the, the life change that's happening in these groups. And uh, we trust that God is working in the midst of all of our groups during the season. And so uh, know that what you're doing right now is not in vain. And we are really grateful for the role that you play. So Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for the men and women who have stepped up into this role to, to lead, to facilitate home groups. And I, I pray that your hand would continue to be on them. Lord, that you would give them wisdom as they lead, give them the right words to say, give them the ability to understand um, the situation that the people in their group are walking into their homes or their, their meeting spaces with. Um, I pray, Lord, that that um, they would truly be people who, through your spirit, are able to minister to the people in their groups. God, we, we pray that you would continue to work in these, these moments where these um, meetings occur. And Father, we, we do give you glory um, for this time, even while we pray that we would be able to come back together corporately as a church in the near future. So, Lord, we, we look to you. We fix our eyes on you. But we, we pray, Lord, that you would give us patience and give us hope in the meantime. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us on Home Group Heads Up. We hope you have a good weekend. Might be a good weekend to watch a Nicolas Cage movie, too. So, What does that mean, I wonder? You'll have to tune in this week and find out. Hmm.